In pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential. 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 Jesus House for All Nations. This message has been recorded live at Jesus House for All Nations. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I said in the first service, and I might have said this a number of times, but I'm a very excited man. Um, you know, since when the pursuit of God started last month, it was very clear to me, it was made clear to me from the beginning that God was up to something. Yes, we'd been hearing about the overflow from the beginning of the year, but I knew instantly that last month was very pivotal in the scheme of things of what God is doing. And then a, a, few, a few weeks ago, about a week or two ago, I felt God say clearly, ladies and gentlemen, that we are poised to witness amazing things in this second half of the year. You know, someone should say a louder amen to that. You know what God said to me very clearly? He said, the last six months were the preparation. This second half of the year is the season of manifestation. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you have not seen anything yet. Thanking God for the numerous testimonies, but God has been speaking very loudly and clearly in my spirit that this year we're going to see God like never before. Amen. You know, this overflow, you know, we're speaking it, but ladies and gentlemen, you will not be able to contain it. You know, as I, as, as I, as I was meditating on, on this, I felt the, the, the Spirit lead me back to that scripture. It's a scripture we read a lot. But for every single day, it was acquiring new meaning, Psalm 23. And it's interesting that the, the Spirit of God was correcting me that we normally read the Psalms as something to end a service with but that it should be a declaration because it's, it's an intention of what God wants to do. Psalm 23 from verse 5, it says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. Okay, maybe because I'll say my cup. Your cup will overflow <laughs> with blessings. And then he says, surely... Can someone say surely? Surely. What, what does surely mean? What, what does surely mean? Surely means surely, surely. It says surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Ladies and gentlemen, believe me, this is the intent of God. This is what he wants to bring to pass. And, you know, I, I, I have such an assurance in my spirit, ladies and gentlemen. Every single person in this house will testify. Amen. The goodness of God, the unfailing love of God, it will pursue you like you've never done before. And, and you know, <laughs> yeah, God, God will help us. As we continue to share testimonies, the, the, the testimonies, I'll share one at the end uh, when, when I finish. The testimonies we'll be hearing are astounding. But we're going to hear even greater testimonies by the time God is done with us. Amen. But ladies and gentlemen, this is the thing. They say that the greatest cause 
of disappointment is failed expectations. The greatest cause of disappointment is failed expectations. That means that we are disappointed when we have expectations that are askew, that are not in line with whatever the other person had in mind. And I felt God say that as we enter the season of the manifestation, that it is important we align our expectations with that of God. Just souls will not be disappointed. Is the word of God going to fail? Believe me. If God says surely, it means surely. It means certainly. So the word of God is not going to fail. But what God is asking is that we align our expectations with his so that he can then do what he has planned to do. And what is the expectation? What is the alignment that is necessary? He says, the essence of this overflow, somebody listen to me, please. He says, the essence of the overflow of God's spirit, and it's primarily an overflow of God's spirit, is that God is going to do a work, a massive reconstruction in our lives that will bring him glory. Does somebody understand that? Everything that God is doing in this season, the testimonies that are going to astound you and astound me and astound the world, ladies and gentlemen, they are to bring glory to God. It will not be about you primarily, it will be about God primarily. Guess what? You will enjoy because your cup will overflow. But for as long as we understand that it is about bringing glory to God. And that's why, you know, God says that I am doing a massive reconstruction. God is saying, I'm on a mission. I'm doing a massive reconstruction project in the lives of my people so that our lives will bring him glory. And why does God need to do this reconstruction? You look around you, ladies and gentlemen. You all know what we see. Nothing resembling the glory of God. And we're reminded of the words of Paul to his uh, protege, uh, um, Timothy. In 1 Timothy, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is Paul writing about this times. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. He says, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God and don't, don't we see that around? People scoffing at God, no regard for God, no fear of God. It says they'll be disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred, verse 3. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. Do we not see a lot of that, ladies and gentlemen? They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good, verse 4. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Verse 5. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. He says, stay away from people like that. And, you know, just reading the scriptures, you know that these are the last days that Paul is referring to. Because everything in the scripture you, you see around you, everything's falling apart. Everything's gone wrong. It, 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 it's, it's just like uh, the mayhem all over the place. And ladies and gentlemen, if this grieves your heart, you can imagine how much it grieves God's heart. Where's the glory? 
But then, but then the reason is always very simple. Because the Bible, if you read through the Bible, anytime people reject God, the result is darkness. So people have turned their back to God. People don't care about God. People are blaspheming God. And so the result is chaos. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? The word of God is very clear. That in these last days, despite the darkness, God will bring glory back to his name. But guess who he's going to use? It's you and I. It's his church. Now, this is interesting because when you read 2 Timothy chapter 3, most people will think that Paul was referring to the world. Paul was actually writing about the church. Because everything that we read in the scripture, you find in the church. Is it not true, ladies and gentlemen? Everything. Unforgiving, unloving, slandering each other, loving pleasure rather than God. And I could go on and on. And you ask yourself, where is the glory? Where is it, you know, the church, the people that God is meant to use to bring glory to himself? Where's the glory? But the good news, ladies and gentlemen, and that's the thing about God that we should be thankful about. I, you know, I said in the first service, I really am grateful to God when you consider these things. Because the word of God came to us clearly. It was a theme scripture for the pursuit of God. Amos chapter 9 from verse 11. Amos chapter 9 from verse 11. See what the prophet says. He says, in that day, how many believe that this is the day? These are the times. He says, in that day, I will restore the falling house of David. Someone please, please say amen. He says, I will repair its damaged walls. From the ruins, I will rebuild it and restore its former glory. How many know that the prophet was speaking about the church? You know, in the Old Testament, the, the house of David represented the people of Israel, the people of God, the, 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 the house of God, the tabernacle of God. Now, as you know, again, because in, in that particular time, they, they, they turned their back towards God, God rejected them. God turned his back towards them. So the enemy, you know, just, how do you say it, wreaked havoc on, on the people of God. So everything was fallen. Everything was in a state of disrepair. But this is the God that we serve, ladies and gentlemen. A God who never leaves us in the fallen state that we are. He says, he says in those days, and I believe now is the time, he says, I will repair the things that have been fallen, the, the things that have fallen, I will rebuild and that I will restore. Amen? That is the plan of God for his people. That excites me about this season of the overflow because that's what the Spirit of God wants to do. And you know, I, I said in the, in the first service, if, if God is saddened about the world, imagine how much more he's saddened about his church. That the people that are meant to show the light of God, the people that are meant to direct people to God, the people that are meant to show God to, to, to others are the ones that are bringing disrepute to God. So much so that the world is laughing at the church. Do you know now, it's almost like a, 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 something that, that of jeopardy to even say you're a pastor. Because as soon as you say you're a pastor, <laughs> they're going to laugh at you. You know, all the things that are happening in the media. And you know, the world, the world is scoffing at the church. 
and he trusts social media. You know, after the news, you know, all those things that are going on in, in Lagos, the stories that we're hearing. And incidentally, I heard somebody say, you know, it's not for you and I to judge, by the way. Please, so because all of us, we have issues, all of us. But, you know, because of all the things that were going on, you know, social media, I saw a post a few days ago. I sent it to my wife. They showed a pastor, you know, standing, and then a lady was coming to hug him. I said, hold it there. Hold it. <laughs> you, you, you know, less they say that, um, you know. But that's, that's the state of things. The house of David fallen. But thank God for God that his word concerning his people is that he will restore. Incidentally, ladies and gentlemen, in those days, the tabernacle was a building. Guess who the tabernacle is now? It's you and I. So when God says that I will repair, he's talking about my life and your life. When God says I will rebuild, he's talking about you and me. And then he says, I will restore you. I will restore my church. I will restore my people to the place of glory. Amen? So that's what God wants to do. A massive reconstruction project. The overflow of the Spirit is the work of the Spirit in your life and in my life. You know, to, 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 to repair so that the glory of God can come back to His people, to our lives, to our families again. You know, I, I wrote here, there's going to be a manifestation of God's power, God's favor, God's blessings like never before to bring glory to God. But first, there must be a rebuilding. That's what the scripture says. You know, it's interesting if we go back to, to Amos 9, and then let, let, let's read verse 12. It says, and Israel will possess what is left of Edom, and all the nations I've called to be mine. The, this nation, it will come back to God. It will come back to God. The Lord has spoken and he will do these things. Verse 13. He says, the time will come. Somebody said, the time has come. It says the Lord, when the grain and grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested, then the terraced vineyards on the hills of Israel will drip with sweet wine. You know, I know why you're not saying amen. Because you're wondering, you know, harvest, grape, vineyard. You know, what does that mean? But if I said to you, the Bible says the time will come, says the Lord, when, when as your salary is going in, before the next salary, some blessing comes into my Lord's bank. I, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. I knew, Dave. Yeah, I knew. I knew. But that, you know, that is the overflow. But ladies and gentlemen, that is the outcome after the reconstruction work. Because the blessing comes when the tabernacle has been repaired so that the glory of God comes. When the glory of God comes, believe me, the blessings of God come. That's what the psalmist meant by he has anointed my head. God will not anoint something that is broken. He repairs first before he anoints. Then when he anoints, then your cup overflows with the blessing of God. Amen? Amen. You know, talking about reconstruction, I... Uh, we used to live in southeast London. We lived in Forest Hill for about 12 years. And in those days, we, we, I literally drove across North London every day because we're in church every day. And I knew the whole of southeast, all, all the areas. But since we moved um, to this side, we don't go to the southeast as often. And I hadn't been for many, many months. But on Thursday, I went for the F4 practice. It was in um, Old Kent Road. And do you know, as I was driving, dri you know, 
past Victoria. In fact, it started from Victoria. And then over the bridge, Elephant and Castle. How many people know Elephant and Castle? Do you know Elephant and Castle in this church? It, or you just know Chelsea and, and, and Harrow. As I was driving, ladies and gentlemen, I could not believe the sight. You know, so many new buildings all over the place. You know, the new buildings here and there. Everything has changed. The you know, buildings springing up, lovely houses, even council houses have been rebuilt and they're looking very nice and, and good. You know what? The Holy Spirit said, that's what he wants to do with his people. Amen. To rebuild so that you will look new. And the glory of, the, of God will rest upon your tabernacle, the house of God. And then, you know, I trust the Holy Spirit. He says, you know, unlike your, where you come from, you know where I was born, where I come from. That's the only country in the world that when you go, things are worse than where they were before. It's, it's the only country. Everything just falling, 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 falling. You hardly see any reconstruction, no, nothing. But God has promised you, my brother and my sister, that he's going to do a work in your life and in my life that will usher in a restoration of God's glory. In fact, I love, I, I love, I love the Amplified. It says that every barren area in your life will overflow Amen. with the blessing of God. But then the challenge is this. Remember, we need to align ourselves with what God wants to do so that our our expectations are not cut short. And this is what God wants to do. He says, I want to repair. I want to rebuild. I want to reconstruct so that our lives can attract the glory of God. And four areas that God started to challenge me about that I want to challenge you this, this Thanksgiving Sunday. And I, I, I just hope that it will stimulate a heart of gratitude because it just shows you the heart of God towards his people. It's interesting that a scripture that God had given us at the beginning of this season of the outpour, the out, out overflow of his spirit, suddenly came to life. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus says, and this is the, 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 the modern explanation of what God spoke in Amos chapter 9. Jesus says, wait for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pour out my spirit on you. And then the spirit is going to do a work in you. And guess what? You will become my witnesses. Do you know when we hear the word witness, our mind instantly thinks about going to the street to give out flyers, uh, to preach about Christ and all that. But no, no, no. A witness is someone who is representing somebody. A witness is somebody who is standing for somebody. A witness is someone who is testifying about somebody. And to testify, you must have, you know, what do they call it? You, have, you must have uh, uh, solid things that you're testifying about. And the Spirit says, this is the work that I'm doing in my people. I want to restore them so they become credible witnesses with the glory of God in them. Four things that we need to align ourselves with in this reconstruction project. The first thing is that God wants to reconstruct our hearts. He wants to, 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 he wants to, to, to rebuild a people who recognize and testify about the love of God. 
of people who recognize the extent to which God loves you and I. And this is so important, ladies and gentlemen. Because the Spirit of God started to explain to me the reason why we do not commit ourselves to God and devote ourselves to God as we should, we don't really understand the love of God. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, over my birthday, I just started to, re I started to reflect and I'm thinking, I'm so grateful to God. Why am I grateful to God? I was on a path to only God knows where. Damnation. Whatever it is. God rescued me. I didn't rescue myself. God rescued me. I am so grateful to God. Why? Just because he loves me. You know, the Bible says that even when we were sinners, God loved you and I. I thought somebody should be grateful to God for that. You know, I, 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 you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't understand. You don't understand. Do you know, I was thinking about some of the things that, you know, we got up to. You don't want to imagine. In fact, don't even imagine. But even as I'm saying, don't imagine, I don't want to imagine about you too. <laughs> be, be, because, you know, you think about it and you're thinking, my God, that was madness, madness. But, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible tells me that I did not choose God, God chose me. Out of his love, he just decided to, to choose me and bring me out of the darkness. What an amazing love God has for you and I. And the sooner we start to recognize how much we, we mean to God, the, the more we start to commit ourselves to God. So many things, you know, you know, I didn't say this in the first service, but as I was praying, I felt to encourage somebody, you know, this God. If we focus on what God has done, it will stop us from murmuring about what God has not done. The problem is that we quickly focus on what God hasn't done, and then we start to murmur like the children of Israel. That's what got them into trouble. And because God was not moving fast enough, they started to follow after other gods. And God, oh my God, God detests idolatry. I was, I was thinking, do you know up till today, I'm so grateful to my children. You know why? I'm, I'm so grateful to God for my children. You know why? My wife would tell me, we don't know how we pay their school fees. We don't know. But guess what? We paid the school fees. So I, I felt this morning as I was praying, there's somebody that is sitting here. You are tearing your hair out and you're thinking, you know, how am I, how am I going to do this? God says he will do it. He will do it. He will do it. That, you know, the, the love of God, believe me, ladies and gentlemen, is beyond comprehension. But God wants to start to reconstruct our hearts, expand our hearts, so that we can fully understand and appreciate this love of God. Look at, let me read some scriptures to you. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, yes. That chapter 7, Deuteronomy. From verse 6. It says, from verse 6, For you are holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. Verse 7. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. Verse 8. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Let's see what verse 9 says. What does verse 9 say? It says, understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. 
Awesome scriptures, ladies and gentlemen, if we will expand our hearts to take. Zechariah chapter 1. Zechariah chapter 1 uh, from verse 12, I think it is. Zechariah. Now, upon hearing this, uh, the angel of the Lord prayed this prayer. O Lord of heaven's armies, for 70 years now you have been angry with Jerusalem. And you remember what I said? God was angry with them because they turned away from God. So God abandoned them. And their enemies, you know, just ravaged the land. Sold them into slavery. He says, O Lord of heaven's armies, for 70 years now you've been angry with Jerusalem and the towns of Judah. How long until you again show mercy to them? Listen to what God says, verse 13. And the Lord spoke kind and comforting words to the angel who talked with me, verse 14. Then the angel said to me, Shout this message for all the people in Jesus' house and those listening online to hear. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. My love for you, Jesus' house and Mount Zion, is passionate and strong. Yes. That's the love of God. You know, if God says passionate, do you know what passionate and strong means? Zechariah chapter 8. Zechariah chapter 8. Then another message came to me from the Lord of Heaven's armies. My love for Mount Zion is passionate and strong. I am consumed with <laughs> Father in heaven. I am consumed with passion for you, God says. Amazing love. And it's important that you and I start to allow the Spirit of God to expand our hearts so, so, so we, we understand the love of God. You know why? Because when we understand the love of God, then our response is a devotion to God. You know, God loves you, God loves me, guess what? I owe it to God to love God in response. That's the first alignment that must take place because, you know, people are praying for the overflow, but their hearts are not really with God. How, how many people love God? How many people love God? How many people love God? Everybody's going to put up their hands. You know why? Because in your heart, you think I love God, you, but it's not really true. Pastor Ago was preaching in Lagos yes, um, last week, at a wedding. And then he said, he said uh, you know, we all say we love God. And we actually mean that we love God. The only problem is that we have other lovers as well. So we love God, but we love these things as well. We love that thing as well. And guess what? Those things compete with our devotion to God. Whereas God is looking for people whose hearts will be wholly devoted to them. First Kings chapter, First Kings chapter 8. You know, if you had if you're looking for a man who should be our example, the person who wrote Psalm 23, he knew what he was talking about. When he says, the Lord is my shepherd, and all those things, he leads me past, you know, he knew what he was talking about. When he says, you know, God anointed my, 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 my head with oil, my cup of he knew what he was talking about. He didn't just pluck it from the sky. It came out of a place of devotion to God. That's why God said concerning him, Acts chapter 13, verse 22. One of the scriptures that I read many, many years ago, it put fear in my bones. It says, and God removed Saul and replaced him with David. May God never remove you. Amen. You know why he removed Saul? Saul's heart was not for God. You read the scriptures, 1 Samuel 14, 15, 16. Saul just did his own thing. And then he says, you know, I'm tired of this man. I found myself a man who I know his heart will be devoted to me. He says, so he removed Saul and replaced him with a man, David, a man who God testified is a man after his heart. You know why? He says he will do whatever it is that I tell him to do. Oh, what a heart. What a heart. 
But a people who will do whatever God tells them to do, believe me, that's what God is looking for. And if he finds it, the overflow will happen in your life and my life. That's a reconstruction that needs to take place. So listen to what, what Solomon says in 1 Kings chapter 8, um, verse 23. Um, is it verse 23? Apologies. Verse 22. Let's start from 22. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel. Now, Solomon had just rebuilt, he just built the temple. The same way that the Spirit of God is rebuilding the temple, our hearts, for God. Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel. He lifted his hands toward heaven and he prayed, O Lord God of Israel, there's no God like you in all of heaven above or on the earth below. You keep your covenant and show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. That's what God is looking for, ladies and gentlemen. That's the alignment that needs to take place. That's the reconstruction that needs to take place. That it is God and God only. Wholehearted devotion. Trusting God. Putting God first. No wonder, ladies and gentlemen, when I read Psalm 89, go and read Psalm 89, please. You read Psalm 89 this evening when you get home. Psalm 89, God, let me paraphrase. It starts by saying, and God chose David. And then he made a covenant with David. He says that there shall never cease to be a king on your throne. I will never take my unfailing love from, from, from him. And then he says, even if your descendants after you, even if they sin against me, I will punish them, but I will still not take my love away from you. Why? Because of David's devotion to God. And that's what God is looking for, ladies and gentlemen. That, that's the alignment that needs to take place. That's the work of the Spirit that you and I must, must allow. Not, you know, it's not singing about it. It is living it. Why, why have you all gone very quiet? You know, we, we sing it, I love you, Lord, and all that. It's not singing, it's living it. Number two. So God wants, the first reconstruction work is on our heart. Where it's wholly devoted, to, it's just God and God. Loyal to God, devoted to God, obedient to God. And then number two, is as important, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, he says, the Spirit will do a work on you and you will be my witnesses. The people will represent me. The people will stand for me. The people will testify about me. Ladies and gentlemen, if you look around the church, there's no testimony of Christ. There's no testimony of the nature of Christ. So it's one thing, loving God the way he loves us, being devoted to. But the next thing is that God wants to do a work on our character. He wants to do a reconstruction and rebuild the character of Christ in us. And we say this all the time, but I don't, I don't know why, what, what the problem is, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I, I said to, the, to, to them in the first service, I, I was just about driving, leaving home, coming to church this morning. And I, I get a text on my, on, on, my, on my phone. And I quickly read it before I started driving off. In fact, I wanted to send it to my wife immediately. A guy who has been in this church for many, many years, married for many, many years, but I don't know what the problem is. Always fighting, always fighting. No problem. For 15, 20 years, we've been canceling and doing stuff. He sends me a text. He says, he says uh, Pastor, I'm, I'm sorry to trouble you early in the morning. I know you're preparing to go to church and all that, but I can't do this anymore. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, get out of this marriage. I just can't stand it anymore. And I'm thinking, why? What's the problem, ladies and gentlemen? Where's the glory? 
Where's the nature of Christ? But we want overflow. So God says, no, 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 no. I need to do a work. I need to reconstruct this thing. And what is he wanting to build? It's the nature of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the love of God in us that brings the glory of God. That's what people see. Look at the person next to you, please. No, don't, look boldly. Please look boldly. Please look. What, what, what do you see? What do you see? You're, you're about to lie now. You're about to lie. <laughs> you, 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 want to, you want to... I heard some people say, I see the glory of God. It's not true. 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 You know, I... I uh, we, 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 have, we have a local Chinese, we have a local Chinese restaurant in our area that we visit quite, quite regularly. And when we came towards the end of the fast, you know, we were looking forward to, uh, we finished, we, we broke the fast on the 23rd, yeah, the 23rd day. And then after one or two days, been looking forward to um, have some Chinese. And then I'll never forget, I drove there, was it Monday or Tuesday? Monday, after we finished the fast, I drove there. You will not believe it. They had closed. <laughs> they, they, they'd gone on holidays for like, what's it called? You know, I was so hurt. I was, I, you know, because I, I, I was looking for it. Anyway, anyway, so we couldn't have the Chinese. And um, we traveled shortly afterwards. We went to Lagos. And, you know, we just got back um, on Wednesday. We got back on Wednesday. So we thought... Um, you know, let's have the Chinese again. So I went on Friday. They'd open this time. And then I walked into the place, and uh, I said to the guy, you guys went on holidays for two and a half weeks. That was long. He said, yeah, they needed holidays. Then he looked at me. He said, you missed me? <laughs> so I said, I said, yes. He said, you look it. <laughs> now, now. Now, the reason why he said, you look it, is because, you know, we'd been fasting. So I'd lost weight. So maybe he thought, because I did it for, for 21 days, because I did But listen, ladies and gentlemen, as soon as he said that, I felt the Holy Spirit say, oh, that men would look at you, and they will say, you look like Christ. Oh, what a day, what a joy that it would bring to God. That people would just suddenly look at you and just say, ah, I see Christ. People would not even know God. That's what God is looking for. The nature of Christ. And if there's one principal thing, there are many things. There's the integrity, there's the holiness, there's the righteousness. But if there's one thing, ladies and gentlemen, it is the love of God. You can't call yourself, I cannot call myself a Christian, if the love of God is not manifest in our lives. It cannot attract the glory of God. It's not possible. And that, that, that's what God wants to do in our lives. Do you know, I am so assured in my spirit, we will see the overflow of God like never before. If we allow God to mold us into what, what will bring the glory. Amen? You know, because of time, and there's so many, when Tuba was leading um, the prayer for revival, he read First John 4, 12. I wrote it down quickly. And, and you know, they, they, say, they say that 
and we, we teach this at the mentoring classes, EMS and uh, the men's mentoring classes. They say that there are three fundamental needs of every human being. Every human being, no exception. Three fundamental needs. The top list, the number one, is every human being wants to be loved. Every human being. There's no human being on the face of the earth that does not want to be loved. Guess what? The vehicle of love that God created, his people that should show the love of God and reflect it to the world, we don't have it. So people are walking around loveless. So when Tubo was praying and he says, and he says people are desperate for love, it is true. And that's what God is looking for, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know the greatest act of Joseph there are three people that I always, well, four people that I always pray for about in the Bible. David, Joseph, Moses, and Paul. The greatest act of Joseph, ladies and gentlemen, that Joseph did was not in interpreting dreams. Because the interpretation of dreams is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not his work. If the Spirit of God didn't come upon him, he wouldn't interpret any dreams. It was the Spirit of God that came. It wasn't distributing grains to people. Anybody can distribute grains. All you need is the grace of administration. And you know, you organize things. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest act, the biggest act of Joseph's life was forgiving his brothers. That's the biggest thing. Because think about it. If Joseph, if it was you and I, oh, Father in heaven. Can I sit down for a minute? Oh. 13 years. My brothers, they sold me into slavery. For 13 years, my life literally wasted serving somebody else. And then maybe three or five years out of that in dungeons. Oh, my God. And then they appear before me. <laughs> Do you know, I've said for each one of them, there were 11 brothers or 10 brothers. 13 years each person. You, you know, I must show you something for all that you did for me. Ladies and gentlemen, the brothers came, Joseph forgave his brothers because he understood that without the nature of Christ, the purposes of God would not have been fulfilled in his life. That's why the psalmist says, and we can look in retrospect, the psalmist says in Psalm 105, please let's read this, Psalm 105, Psalm 105 from verse 16, from verse 16. Let's read this together. He says, he called for famine, this is God. God for a, called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Verse 17. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph. Did Joseph know that he was being sent? No. Because at that point in time, he was being sold into slavery. He thought he was getting a, a bad deal in the hands of his, his, his brothers. Verse 18. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron, call, iron collar. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. If Joseph, his character hadn't been formed into Christ-likeness, believe me, he would have scuppered the plans of God. Because he was meant to be the deliverer of Israel. He was meant to be the one that brought the children of Israel into Egypt. And then they were able to grow and multiply there in, for, for 400 and something years. Does somebody understand this? And that's what God is looking for. The character of Christ that he can entrust his glory. God is not going to bring his glory where there's no character. It's not going to happen. Amen. I, I came across, I came across uh, 
I came across a, a, a post in, on social media the, the other day that caught my attention. I don't know if anybody saw it. They were talking about the honeybee and the fly. Did anybody see that post? The honeybee and the fly. Very interesting. It was comparing this to insects, the honeybee and the fly. The honeybee flies hundreds of miles around looking for flowers, and it will perch on the flower, and it will suck the nectar out of the flower. Regardless of where the flower is, whether it's in a, a, a derelict place or uh, what's it called, all the honeybee focuses on is just sucking out the nectar. They compared the honeybee with the fly. They said the fly will fly hundreds of miles. Guess what it is looking for? It's looking for flowers that are dead and rotten. You know why? Because all the fly does, all the fly wants is to suck out the put is it putrid, yeah? The putrid, the dirty. You know, the fly is just concerned about the dirty bits. So it will go to dead places and it will be sucking out the putrid things. The honeybee flies around looking for nectar. Do you know what they said? The question is, what kind of insect are you? Sorry, what kind of human being are you? <laughs> what kind of Christian are you? Because Christians, with the love of Christ, are meant to be flying around looking for the good in one another and then putting good in one another. But guess what? We spend our time focusing on the fields, the problems of others. That's not love, ladies and gentlemen. Philippians 1, let me start to round off. Philippians 1, chapter 9, quickly please. Philippians 1, chapter 9. 1, chapter 9. I pray that your love will overflow. We're talking about the overflow. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding, verse 10. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return, verse 11. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory to God. Romans 12, 9-10, very quickly. Romans 12, 9-10. 9-10. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold light tightly to what is good. Verse 10. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. This is the reconstruction work that God needs to do. And for as many as will allow the Spirit of God to mold them, to, to do what God wants to do, as many as will see the overflow of God's glory and goodness in their lives. The last two things, ladies and gentlemen, time, time is gone. The first thing is a heart devoted to God, appreciating the love of God and responding to that. Make God God. Make God first. Wholehearted devotion. The second thing is, let, let's start to develop this nature of God that will bring glory to God. The third thing, ladies and gentlemen, that God is going to do is that he's then going to start to release his power, the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, he starts to release his power to work through us. But listen, this is what the Spirit says. Every time you see the outworking of the Spirit of God, the power of God, Ladies and gentlemen, it's always preceded by compassion or love for people. You know why? When the Spirit of God works through you and I, He doesn't do it for you, He does it for others. When God manifests His power, it's not for you. If the, if, the, if the power of God comes for healing, it's not for you, it's for others. 
but it's always preceded by caring for the other person, wanting the good of the other, and then the power comes upon you and I. Does somebody understand this? The Bible says Jesus sat on the mountain, and there was a multitude. He finished preaching to them. And then he says, these people are hungry. They don't have anywhere to go. Guess what the disciples said? The disciples said, send them away, send them away. Let them go and find food for themselves. They didn't care about the people. But Jesus said, no, no, no. Get them to sit down. That's why the miracle happens. May God use you for miracles, my brother and my sister. But then, for the power of the Spirit to flow, the tabernacle, the instrument, must be usable by God. The last thing, let me end, ladies and gentlemen, is that when God does this reconstruction, a heart devoted to God, the character and nature of God, a heart, a, a, a life yielded to the Spirit to do whatever, then the blessings come, not the other way around. Then the overflow happens. And ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited because we are going to see God move like never before. Let me leave you with this last scripture. Joel chapter 2, because it's a graphic, graphic example of what God is going to do. Joel chapter 2 from verse 20, 25. The Lord says, I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locusts. The hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. It was I who sent this great destroying army against you, verse 26. Once again, you will have all the food you want. And you know, food represents different things. The different things that you and I are believing God for. He says, once again, you will have all the food you want. And you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. He says, never again will my people be disgraced. Amen. Never again will my people be disgraced. Verse 27, then you will know that I am among my people Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and there's no other. Never again will my people be disgraced. This is the word of God concerning you. Let's bow our heads. It's very simple, ladies and gentlemen. It's a question of alignment. God has spoken his word. It's a season of the overflow of his spirit that will manifest in the abundance of God's blessings. But how many are going to allow the spirit of God to do what he wants to do in their lives? How many are going to say, Holy Spirit, do whatever reconstruction work you want to do? Because the love of God, ladies and gentlemen, wants the best of you. And then the best of you will bring him glory. But how many of us will allow the Spirit to mold us the way that He wants, to prune us the way that He wants? Let's just, let's just say a prayer. And just say a prayer for yourself and just say, Holy Spirit, just have your way. Have your way. If you mean it, He will have His way. Just have your way. Mold me. Whatever is not in alignment with what you want, just reconstruct. For some people, He might have to uproot certain things. But we're saying, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, have your way. Go on, let, let's just say that prayer. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do whatever you need to do in my life. And ladies and gentlemen, if there's anyone here who you haven't even started a meaningful journey, a meaningful relationship with God, where you've submitted your life to God and you're saying, Look, Lord, you are the builder of my life. Just come and build my life. 
You've been trying to do life by yourself, but obviously not succeeded. Today is a good day, ladies and gentlemen, and please, please don't shun the love of God. God loves you more than you can imagine, and he wants you to come under his care, under his protection. The way that happens is when a man or woman submits their life to Christ. It's very simple. You just say, Jesus, I, I just submit my life to you. Come into my life and take control of my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. If there's someone who is saying that prayer, I just want to join in prayer with you in agreement that from today, the Spirit of God will come into your life. Jesus will become your master and your Lord. Anybody that is saying, I want to give my life to Jesus, if you just put up your hands uh, with all heads bowed, all, all heads bowed, please. You just put up your hands so that no one is embarrassed. On a day like this, you, you're saying, Lord, I need you in my life. Spirit of God, come and do a work in my life. The rest of us, let's just say, Spirit of God, have your way, have your way. Thank you, Lord our God. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. And Lord God Almighty, we just present ourselves to you as a people. We receive your word that you will repair, you will rebuild, and you will restore. Let all these things happen in all of our lives, O oh God. Everything that is broken down, let it be repaired. Everything that needs to be rebuilt, let it be rebuilt, O oh God. And then restore your glory in our lives. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.